Um, we're in Ephesians right now, and that's exactly what Paul prays in uh, Ephesians 3, that, that um, Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that we would be strengthened with his power in our inner being to know by experience the love of Jesus. And so on Tuesday, we have our, our mission partner meeting. Um, we try and do those quarterly-ish. And so we're going to share some of the testimonies and the stories there from that trip. Um, I can tell you it is, um, I think life-changing is not too strong of a phrase to describe it. And so I'll share one little story, but this will also be a plug. Um, if you're not yet a member of the Commons and you've been around for a while and you're like, yeah, this is my church family, I would encourage you to take that step. It's very simple. You can scan the QR code on the chair in front of you or go to tcla.co slash connect. Um, because membership is just formalizing what we're probably already assuming and doing, but it gives us the clarity to know um, who we're with and who to invite into the greater depths of, of the operations and the life of the church together. Because we live in such a transient area, if we don't clarify that, then we have people going in and out. We don't really know who is here to be here for however long that is, whether it's a year or 10 years, right? So by Tuesday, we can get you through that process. You can come and join us, hear some amazing stories, and we're going to pray that the Spirit would continue to, to build us up in maturity in both word and spirit for the sake of the kingdom here in Los Angeles. Um, and just one encouragement for us as a body that was shared there. Um, one of the elders came and was sitting with us, and we're talking through some things about um, the ways that they've led their church and really cultivated a culture that is both humble but bold and courageous to say, I, you know, I, I sense that the Spirit might want me to, to, to share this with you, and, um, but humble enough to say that might be totally off and it's not a thus saith the Lord kind of thing. And so we're, we're tooling around with ministry stuff, and it comes to a time at the end where they wanted to just pray over the seven of us as a team. And this elder said, um, I want to pray for you and for your church that God would give you the gifts of healings um, because I sense that that's something that he wants to do. And, and we don't mean like a gift that you can just use at will, but that when you pray over people, there would be a unique anointing and power of the Spirit to bring real healing to people. And he shared with me afterwards, the reason that he sensed that was because as he was sitting there, he came in with really severe back pain. He had surgery a few years ago, 95% of the time he's fine. 5% uh, of the time he's in agony. He came in, he was sitting there. I could tell, there was, I'd never met him before, but he was pretty reserved and quiet. And uh, he said that as he was sitting with our team, his pain went away. He said, Lord, what is going on? This doesn't happen. And he shared with us that uh, the presence of our team and his healing, his experience of that, he discerned was the leading of the Lord to say, I want to give these people the gift of healing. And that doesn't mean that it's just, bam, all right, every prayer, right? That's not what I'm saying. But I want to build our faith up to say God desires to give us gifts, and we have no reason to be cynical over a man who experiences agonizing pain, sensing the Spirit, sharing something with us to say, let's go after it. And so maybe you're here this morning in pain. I would encourage you, just go to the prayer team in simple faith. I've never had someone who says, would you pray for me? And they don't experience it, anything, and they're just disappointed altogether. There is an intimacy when we open ourselves to praying for healing, and we've seen a number of people experience healing as well. Okay? So, um, 
pray and press in. This is for all of us, not for a few leaders, but for the people of Jesus to be building up the body, okay? So this involves all of us. And so I want to I see us continue to grow in faith and expectancy that, that Jesus wants to move among us and build us up. Amen? All right. We're going to spend some time in Scripture now. If you want to open up in your Bible or in your, um, your weekly handout there, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. I was supposed to teach this two weeks ago. Um, verses 1 through 4. This is in the section that is uh, called by theologians the household codes. Last two weeks before we got to this text, we were speaking about husbands and wives and what it looks like to have a relationship together in the kingdom of God. And so some of you are not parents. All of you are children. Uh, but some of you are adult children. Um, but it's easy sometimes to exempt ourselves because Scripture might not be speaking directly to our circumstances couple things that I want to encourage. The first one is, um, one day you might be a parent, right? So this is a really key opportunity for you to hear what the scriptures have to say and press in to learn and glean wisdom and grow and even pray for that, that future that you might have in the Lord's hand. Um, I learned so much because the church that I was a part of early on in my faith did a lot to try and equip us for the seasons of life that may come. Um, some of you, that you will never be a parent, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's dignity in who we are and in whose we are, but all of us are called to be spiritual parents. When Paul writes to Timothy and to Titus, he addresses them as his children in the faith. And so all of us are called to have the heart of a parent for people. Okay, And so we can glean from this, regardless of our station in life. Some of you are parents right now and desperately just need to hear God's word to you. Some of you are kids, kids in the room. Like small kids, actual kids. Yeah, we got, we got elephs and duels in the room. All right, half this, half this teaching, I'm talking to an audience of four. Um, no, yes, and we have you two too. We got six, this is great. Mina and Minu, wonderful. Okay, so I'll be making a lot of eye contact with you. Don't be freaked out. It's just it's to you. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are our Father, that you have revealed yourself to humanity as Father, that you are both over us and for us, desirous of us and ambitious to work in us and through us. And so um, would you help us now to uh, have our hearts a little bit more opened to that reality? This is, this is both a, an awe-inspiring reality and for some of us a very painful one. And so please be our help. Uh, bring healing, bring hope, and help us to place ourselves underneath your word that we may hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read this. Would you stand with me? Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, 
so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. That verse 3 is a citation from the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments, the command to honor your father and mother. Um, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is God's word. Yeah, I heard a thanks be to God. All right, all right, amen. All right, you can take a seat. So kids, did you know that Scripture talks to you? Isn't that crazy? Zion, isn't that crazy? <laughs> Lucas, Scripture's written to you. Yeah, Mina, Minu, this is God's writing to you. Hudson Elliot, <laughs> this is God's writing to you. <laughs> I think sometimes, I'm sorry, I think sometimes we can, we can pretend that church is really just for the adults and you're along for the ride, and that's not what it's supposed to be. You follow Jesus just as much as we do. Um, you can experience God's Spirit just as much as we can, and your prayers are just as heard by Him as ours are. And so, um, I want to do a better job, and we want to do a better job of you big kids that are up here, not upstairs with kids' men. Uh, that, that you would feel more a part of this, okay? Because we have this, God's word right here, getting to you and speaking to you. And so uh, know that you are a part of Christ's body. You are an important part of the body of Jesus. You are capable of following Jesus in every way as we are. You might have a lot to learn and grow and feel very... Um, like you don't know exactly what all that is, but know that God's Spirit helps you, just like He helps us. We might look like we have a lot that we know. We don't. We don't. So much. And in fact, Jesus held you up as prime examples of who His kingdom belongs to. He said, you need to become, all of you adults need to become like these kids if you want to follow me and enter my kingdom. So you actually have an advantage on us. You have an advantage on all of us kids that look really large and tall and sophisticated because you hear the teachings of Jesus and God's word with a kind of um, uh, ears and hearing that hasn't been fogged up and muddied by living a long time. Because life starts to feel very complicated, and so we start to think that it's complicated to follow Jesus, but really, in all of the complexity, it's actually pretty simple. It's still simple. And so sometimes we can, we, us adults can excuse ourselves from believing Jesus and his words. But you have a really strong uh, gift to be able to hear the words of Jesus and just know they're true. And so that's an example to us. Um, here's what this passage says to you right here. And this is where it gets kind of hard to follow Jesus sometimes. It says to obey your parents. Obey your parents. Why do you think it says that? 
This is a real question. The biggest kid in the room. <laughs> yeah, God's a father. God's a father. Do you think that it's because your, your parents are so much smarter and better and closer to God than you? It's not. It's not that. It's not that. But do you remember um, probably two months ago when we were reading through Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 and there was a part that said, um, I want you to build each other up in love. I want you to be filled with God's spirit. To be filled with God's spirit. The way that we are filled with God's spirit, one of them said specifically, you submit yourselves to the people who are over you because you respect or believe Jesus. Out of the, submit yourselves to one another out of the fear of Christ. And so um, God's plan is that human beings would come into the world, into families, and that there would be certain people who repre represent God the Father over us, and in our Father especially, but also in our mom as someone who reflects the image of God to us too and is a parent over us. And so the reason, first and foremost, that scripture says, children, obey your parents, is because God wants to bless you with the presence of his spirit. That God wants you in the best possible position to hear his voice and to grow in knowing him and to be in the right place so that you could actually hear more than just mom and dad's voice, but that you could actually hear Jesus's voice. And so, sometimes it's hard, right? Sometimes you forget what mom and dad ask you to do, and it's just, oh, I forgot. Um, I know no children that leave their coats on the ground, no matter how many times we ask them to hang their coats up when they walk in. And he's <laughs> raising his hand in the back. Um, and so there are some times where mom and dad get too angry, right? They get upset with you over silly things that are just you forgetting. And so we want to apologize for that. We don't want to represent that to you. But sometimes there's a hard part of obeying mom and dad where it's actually you don't want to listen. You want, you want your own way, or you feel like they're gonna, we're going to stop you from getting what you really desire, right? And what's important to know is that part of you that's really there, and it's good to be aware of that and to feel that, but that part of you is what Scripture calls the flesh. All of us are born with it. It's a broken part of us that's kind of bent inward towards us, instead of bent outward towards God and people and what human life is really supposed to be in his design. And so one of the reasons that God gives us parents is because he wants us to actually learn how to control that inner part of us. Because otherwise, if you don't learn to control that inner part of you, it controls you as you grow up. And there are a lot of adults in the world that are controlled by that part of them. And it's really, really sad, and it really hurts you and other people. And so one of the really important reasons for obeying mom and dad is trusting them, even when you don't feel like it. And us moms and dads need to apologize to you a lot of the time, because we make you obey things that probably aren't in your best interest, or there are things that we might want, or the way that we ask you to do things, or tell you to do certain things is not patient and loving, but more angry and upset. And so we apologize for that. Um, 
but it's really important that you learn what it's like to have someone over you because in the world, even us big kids that are in our 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, you will always have people over you to listen to. And if you, if you learn to listen to mom and dad right now, it becomes so much easier to trust God with the people that are over you later. Because there will still be people who don't actually love you very much and want to use you for other things. And God still wants to use you in the midst of that and have you underneath them. And so that, it's really important. Okay? So I want you to know that. Trust mom and dad. Love them. They love you. Um, apologize when you disobey them is, is a really good thing to do. And it's not humiliating, but it just reopens our relationship again. And mom and dad, you're apologizing, I trust, to your kids, confessing when you are dealing with them in anger or annoyance or overbearingness. And so that's the first thing that's right here. Children, obey your parents. And kids, there's a promise that God gives you. And the promise that God gives you says this. Obey your parents in the Lord. This is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise that it will go well with you in the land. That's from the Old Testament. And God says to um, the children in the midst of Israel, he says, hey, I will bless you as you obey your parents. I promise you. It will go better for you if you obey than if you disobey. So know too that even when it's hard, God sees that and he wants to bless you and help you. Okay? Great. Thanks for listening, kids. We're glad that you're here. We're really encouraged that you're here. And we're praying for more and more kids that can come in and be a part of this church family along with you. Right? Good. All right, to the rest of you kids. Um, many of you are no longer in a place where obeying your parents is the most relevant thing to you because there is a, a, something that starts to happen when you move out. Uh, you are building your own life. Um, obeying your parents, you're no longer a child in that sense, right? But honoring your parents is still a command over you. Um, this, is, this is particularly uh, important for me in this season because I have a very complicated relationship with my biological father. Um, he is, he's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. He has Alzheimer's um, that has started really early in his life. He's only in his late 50s. And uh, my call is to honor him by caring for him in the end of his life to not dishonor him by doing whatever I want while he has these um, very intense needs in this season. And the reason it's particularly complicated is because I have a very fractured relationship with him. Um, we were to the point of being almost estranged, essentially, for the previous years, and I was wrestling through passages like this, trying to go through that process with wisdom and discernment and community to say, Lord, what does it look like for me to listen to your word and yet acknowledge that relationships can be so broken um, that they're more complicated than simply reading on the surface. But in this season, um, God has called me to step back in, overlook a whole lot, and just love him well. And that's, I think, honoring our parents 
It's, it's literally giving them the weight of our respect over our own desires. It might not be directly obeying them, right? If your parents came into your house and said, you need to obey me, now this is what you need to do, and you're a 35-year-old working person, it's a bit more complicated than just merely listening to them on the surface. But honoring our parents is something that all of us are called to do. Now, I want to jump back up here with the perspective of parents, okay? Current parents, uh, future parents, spiritual parents. Um, you have one of the most important roles in all the earth. Uh, first of all, praying for you, your energy, hope in the midst of the very difficult task that you have in raising children. But what is really important to see is that God is the one who is over your role as a parent. Your children are not yours. They've been entrusted to you by him. And so you are a steward of the early years of the life of an image bearer of God. And the structure that God desires to bless humanity through is that there would be parents in authority over children. And that those parents in authority would love their children, uh, would communicate God's heart to their children by their presence and the way that they interact with their kids. And that, as we'll see in a moment, that they would train their children and instruct their children so that when they're out from under their parents, they would know how to live wisely as human beings in the world that they actually exist in and that they would hear and know Jesus and be dedicated in allegiance to following him in his kingdom rather than swept up into the world and its upside-downness with how we were made to live. So, parents... Um, the first part is easy to focus on. Children, obey your parents, all of this. But the second part is really imp important and pertinent for us because what we're commanded to do, just like husbands and wives, we actually have a severe command over us as well. And it's specifically towards fathers. Now, fathers, you need to know something in particular. Um, God has a unique initiating responsibility for you. Just as God communicates himself to the world as father, you bear a unique responsibility in your reflection of some particular attributes of who he is. Now, um, moms, you too reflect unique attributes about who God is. And there's some complexity looking back into history 2,000 years ago and seeing that fathers are the only ones who are addressed right here. That was very normative for how household codes went. Um, back in this day, household codes were written by philosophers about how to live a certain healthy life, even outside of the church, and they were addressed to fathers and husbands, and, and women and children weren't even really addressed. Because it was assumed that fathers just get to impose their will upon their household. Husbands get to impose their will upon their households. But I think it's fair to say, moms, you, you too are addressed 
in this as well as a co-image bearer and seeing and hearing even God's heart throughout the scriptures where Jesus says that I would, I would uh, Jerusalem, I would uh, hold you under my wings as a hen and I would brood over you and console you. And Paul speaks the same way about mothering children in the faith as well. And so both fathers and mothers have unique roles in ways that they reflect the character and nature of God. But there's a particular responsibility that God puts on fathers. And so dads in the room, uh, you and I as fathers have an initiating call to take responsibility for our kids, for our homes, that we would follow Jesus together, that we would turn away from ourselves and sacrificing love. Moms, you're called to the same thing, but you bear a different kind of responsibility in the midst of that. So what does Paul say here? He says, fathers, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In the role that we have as parents, um, if we're honest, there are moments where we just don't feel like being kind and patient and uh, affectionate towards our kids, right? Am I alone in this? And though there is the call and command that God gives to obey parents in the Lord, there is also a command to parents to not use that command however they want. Because in being entrusted with kids to steward and to to equip and to prepare and to shape and to mold their little lives, there's a way to do that really badly. And that's to be domineering and to be crushing and to put all the weight of responsibility on your kids rather than making that command easy and a blessing. And so Paul speaks to fathers and I think to mothers in a similar way to say, do not be so overbearing on your kids that you're pressing in and leveraging your role so as to exasperate to make them so, make obedience so hard to do because you're just teasing out some of the relational dysfunction that can develop. Because when, when someone gets angry, what happens when you get angry? You actually become opposed to the one that you're angry with, right? And there's something that I think, I grew up thinking that anger is just bad all the time. It's just always a bad emotion. It's always like a dysfunctional thing in me. But here's one of the, the pieces of wisdom that I picked up along the way from someone that anger is actually a God-initiated, planted emotion. God himself feels anger. Because when something we value is threatened, anger is a good response. It's an it-not-be-like-this response. It's a, there should be a better way. There is a better way, and there should be another thing going on in this moment. And so all of us have been kids, and all of us probably had the experience growing up where we had this happen, um, where we felt angry with our parents, like they were being unfair and unjustifiably demanding on us. Guess what? They are as broken as we are. 
and there's undoubtedly work of forgiveness that we need to do as children who have been under parents. It's really important, and it doesn't, um, it doesn't excuse the way that we are treated. It doesn't excuse the sins of others, but it frees us from the burden and the chains of the pain. Okay? And so we're going to pray towards the end um, for us who um, have some of the wounds and the longings uh, because of authority figures. I don't think this is even just parents. A lot of us have had mentors and people in our lives, especially if we grew up in homes that were not uh, following Jesus. And people will always disappoint you. People will always, always, always hurt you who are over you. And we need to see that with really clear vision to say they are not Jesus. I cannot put the expectations of God upon them lest I crush them as idols. And only freedom can be found through the process of forgiveness. And you might never have reconciliation with those authority figures in your life. And that's a painful experience that you need to walk out in the midst of community. But we need to be freed from that pain of experiencing what Paul talks about here through the process of forgiving. And knowing that Jesus laid his life down, he cares so much about this. Now, parents, spiritual parents, biological parents, here's how we crush those underneath us. We can crush them underneath us by making an idol and everything out of our child, whether spiritual or biological. You know, you kind of vicariously live through your child. You think that this is my, my precious little Jimmy, my precious little Susie. They're the best child at all times. Therefore, it's my duty to maximize their potential and turn them into a superhuman. There are a lot of parents in West Los Angeles, and that is the operating assumption. My duty is to prevent all discomfort from the life of my child and to amplify all of their gifts that they can rule the world one day. But guess what the subtext of that is to your kids? If, if this does not go perfectly, it's your fault. And sometimes it can even communicate, don't let me down. That's bad parenting. It's sinful parenting. It's making an idol out of that which is not God, and it's particularly destructive because it's a child under your care. And so for those of you who are future parents of biological kids, current parents of biological kids, or future or current spiritual parents of kids, you need to know that you love kids best when you love Jesus more. And part of that means you're dying to yourself when there are certain things that you want. Part of it means that you're saying things you don't want to say out of reverence for Jesus and doing things you don't want to do out of reverence for Jesus. What are some of those things? Well, Paul specifically says that you as a parent are entrusted to raise your kids in the training and instruction of the Lord. Other translations use the word discipline in the place of training. Those two things are fundamental to your calling as parents. We are not called to be best friends with our kids, 
though they should know we have deep affection and desire for them. We're called to train them. This idea of training means a reshaping and reforming of the substance of who they are. A little kid is like a ball of Play-Doh. And there's some like lumpy stuff in there that's called the fall and the flesh and the things that God wants to remove and sanctify. Parts that aren't, they're like kind of hardened, if you imagine in the analogy, where it's hard to mold them into the likeness of Jesus. And God calls you to pray and to discipline and to shape your child. So the one thing you cannot do, actually there are two things, but one thing you cannot do in order to train your child is allow them to go without discipline. You will destroy your child if you do not discipline your child. Giving them everything that they want, allowing them to control you and your behavior based on them and their will. Um, what you in essence teach them to do is say, if I uh, throw a fit large enough, everyone around me bends to my will. You fan into flame, not the spirit and receptivity to Jesus, but their flesh. It's real. It's in kids. Now, we're not, we're not the type of, of people who believe, like, Scripture just says, oh, kids are little sinners, and they need to be, like, formed into the, like, discipline the hell out of them and all of that. Like, not like that. But wise, attentive, aware to the sobering reality that little kids come into the world broken because of the fall. And so discipline and training. A couple of examples. Kids are going to be enslaved to their flesh. They're going to be foolish. To, like I don't know if you know this. Kids do not naturally come into the world wise and mature. The things that naturally come out of kids are idiotic if they are adults making those same decisions. Fork? Outlet? Outlet, fork, sounds good. Um, there's, there is folly bound up in the heart of a child, Proverbs says. Like, it's actually something in them that needs to be rooted out of them. And so discipline takes a lot of forms. Training your kids takes a lot of forms, whether they're spiritual or biological. It takes the form of um, limitation. Um, it takes the form of restriction and boundaries. So like, man, how many kids do we see these days that have unlimited access to tablets and screens? That's failing to discipline your kids. And all sorts of science and scripture would certainly attest and our experience of your kids would certainly attest to that's bad for them and their behavior. <laughs> so we, we limit kids beyond what they desire. You ever seen a parent take away a tablet or a screen from a child? It is, it's World War III. <laughs> and it also requires a form of discipline, disciplinary punishment. Now, not punishment that's just seeking to inflict um, an extraordinary amount of pain, not like that. I prefer the word discipline because I think it gets to the heart of what's going on. But discipline that takes the form of timeouts, restriction taking things away um, and depending on your convictions there's the jury's out in our day about spanking um, we spanked our kids just so you know by example they, they turned out okay um, but you must 
You must discipline them to the point where they experience consequence for their sin. If it's very easy for them to undergo your discipline, it's not shaping them. Um, it's not helping them. It's not showing them the spiritual reality that as we disobey authority and give ourselves to sin, there is a kind of pain and destruction and chaos that we are entering into that's not as on the surface as physical pain. So, we want kids that aren't enslaved to their flesh. We want disciples that aren't enslaved to their flesh, spiritual kids. We want kids that aren't foolish to the way that the world works. We want spiritual disciples that are not foolish to the way that the world works. We want kids that are formed into wholeness. We want disciples that are formed into wholeness, realizing that there are scary things you need to do in order to experience the richness of meaning and community in life. That's training. Last thing, instruction. We're not just trying to repattern and hollow out some of the areas inside of a disciple, of a child. We're trying to actually get some stuff into them, too. To instruct, to create space through discipline that the instruction of God's Word and Spirit can come in and make them effective Christ followers for the world. Right? You're not very convinced. This is really important stuff, okay? Like, I'm particularly passionate about this. I coach a lot of kids' sports, because my kids are at that age. I grew up playing sports, and I can tell you from experience, we have massive problems coming our way. And I don't think that it's just like, yeah, every generation says that. I think we've entered like a supercharged phase with technology, social media, consumption, a pandemic, everything that they've grown up in. All right, rant over. But pay attention. This is so important. Do not, parents, please, do not bend your life and the schedule of your family around your children. Nap time is not sacred and holy. It's wise. Schedule it. Kids like schedules. They, they operate better. That's an area of like not causing your child to needlessly be angry and upset all the time. Give them naps. But your child can't keep you from faithfulness to Jesus. You'll need to let them be a little tired and a little cranky um, in order to bring them along into your life following Jesus as a family. That's idolatry. Requires repentance and change. But you also need to be living out your faith at home as though Jesus is real. Lest you say one thing on Sundays and Tuesday nights at Michelle Community and then your kids see the hypocrisy at home. Our goal in instructing kids is for them to see with experience through us and have the truth to understand what's going on, that they would experience nothing less than the heart of God their Father for them through you. And that you would put words through the scriptures for them to know the heart of God their Father, of the redeeming work, the saving work of Big Brother Jesus, and the availability of the Spirit of God to carry us through in faithfulness in this world. And so a few things 
Again, this does not possibly cover all the complexity. We'll talk about it at the discussion table after this. And if you're a parent or a spiritual parent, um, you need community to work all of this out in its complexity. But a few things. Um, instructing kids in the authority of God. In the authority of God over them. That it is a good thing that God is Father and over us as his kids. He's smarter than you. He's wiser than you. He's stronger than you. He can do more through you than you could do in all of your strength in the world. We shirk the idea of authority in our day. And there are some kinds of authority that need to be kicked to the curb. But we can't do that with God's authority. His discipline is a blessing on you and I. Hebrews 12 says every father disciplines his children. If he doesn't discipline them, he doesn't love them. We need to teach our kids and exemplify for our spiritual disciples that the authority of God over them and the discipline of God is a blessing, not a curse. And so are there ways that they see you doing what God wants you to do instead of what you want to do? And are you open about that with your kids? Authority. Next, affection. God the Father sent God the Son into the world because he was desirous of human beings to enter into dwelling with him for all of eternity, starting here and now. Fathers, one of the most important things that you can do, one of the most powerful things that you can do, is communicate affection to your kids. They see your strength. I'm not necessarily saying you're like a macho man, but they see your strength. But what we overlook is the affection, the desire of your children, of your sons, of your daughters. That you're not a threat to them, you adore them. Because God the Father treasures us. He desires us. He adopted us. The very essence of that is his desire for his kids. There's authority, there's affection, and there's also ambition. God didn't create you and I so that we could just live a life that's kind of effective or faithful or satisfying, but that he actually wants us working and operating with him in the world. He made you the way that you are with the gifts that you have so that he could work in the world through them. And so how are you ambitious for your kids? Not in the idolizing, you're a superhuman kind of kid, but in a way that says, I believe in you. I long for you to, to reach the potential, to stand on my shoulders. These are good things. And God is actually the kind of person, I don't know if you know this, God's the kind of person who finds the most joy in working through his people. Not just snapping his fingers and making it happen. Flip back to Ephesians 3, and that's what he says. That the mystery hidden for ages in God is that he's, his manifold wisdom is being displayed through the church to the spiritual beings in the heavenly places. There's a grand story being told, and the story of your family can be ever-increasing influence and ambition to see more and more of your children and your children's children impactful for the kingdom of God as worshipers of God. And of course, we need to be telling our kids over and over the gospel because in the brokenness of this world, we need to know that one has died for us and he lives for us. 
that our hope is not in this life, that our family's hope is not in this life, but we can make it through anything in this life because Jesus is with us. And so, kids, think about the fact that Jesus was born. He was placed underneath a mother and a father. He obeyed his mother and his father. Not because he needed to in sin, but he needed their instruction and to grow in wisdom. That's mind-blowing. I don't understand it. But Jesus identified with children so that he could know, that they could know even in their childness, they could have access to God. And that even in your mistakes and your sins, Jesus stood in your place and he laid down his life so that you could know, dang, I, I, can, I can make it right with my parents and stand back up in confidence that I'm loved and worthy of dignity. And parents, by the son being placed under human parents as the place to grow up in wisdom and stature before God and man, parents can rest in the assurance that God loves to make himself known to kids. You are not on your own. It's not solely on you to make your kids into mature followers of Jesus. It's on you to, to take responsibility for the process and to initiate and to pray. Pray like crazy for your kids. Spiritual parents, a.k.a. all of us and what our ambition should be, pray for those that you are responsible for in discipling. Because God is the one who is eager to make himself known. And he wants to use you. And for those of us who have very broken relationships with spiritual authority figures, biological authority figures in our life, um, there is redemption. There is redeeming work that God can do through your pain that he would not, could not do apart from the pain. But that through the pain and the void, whether through abuse or absence, you could experience in that gap a unique awareness of the fatherhood of God. There's just something that happens in the midst of pain that makes us more receptive and capable of seeing the gift of grace that God has for us. It's as though we're given in the pain, as we wipe off and clean it, a gem that takes the glory of God, focuses it down, that we could see something unique and special that we wouldn't have otherwise seen. And so I'm not aloof to the fact that, yeah, we need to learn and grow in wisdom about how to live as, as kids and parents, but also I'm aware that this is an area of a lot of pain and failing, especially in our day. And so as we transition to prayer, I felt a really significant burden that we would pray for those who have been hurt by authority figures in your life. This is not going to be you sharing specifically or accusation about specific people in your life. Truthfully, we won't know who you're talking about in your life because um, it could be a direct biological parent. It could be a mentor in your life. It could be a spiritual authority figure in your life. But one of the things that has to happen in the midst of that pain, and that pain can come either through abuse or through absence and void, we need the Spirit of God to open us up that God could have access in us to those places of pain, that His healing 
balm of grace, in the dying love of Jesus, in the sending love of the Father, could be made known to us in our inner being.